Welcome back to the Go to Go podcast, man. Episode 75 Conference Championships coming up this week in the NFL. Just wrapped up the divisional round, man. This episode, we're going to jump in and break down our season awards, who we think uh, is most deserving for all of the awards MVP, Offensive, Defensive, Player of the Year, Rookies, stuff like that. Uh, just as well, we're going to dive into. Uh, the conference championships and what we thought about the the games that just happened over the past week in the divisional round as well, man. Starting it off with the awards, man. MVP, I think it's clear cut, both of us uh, rocking with the same player here. Going with Lamar Jackson, man. I'm going to go through 67.2% completion percentage, 3,678 passing yards, 24 tutties. Seven picks with a 102.7 passer rating. He added 821 on the ground, averaging five and a half yards a carry with five touchdowns on the ground as well. So 29 total tutties. Uh, do you want to kind of break it down, LJ season? Uh, this year, was, it was kind of weird. You know, the past couple of years, we, you know, have Mahomes going for the big numbers. Josh Allen, he's put up some crazy seasons. Even, you know, Jalen Hurts had... A really good season last year you know we're used to the big explosive offensive you know seasons and stuff like that from quarterbacks but this season it, it was kind of weird you know in the beginning of the year everyone's like okay it's gonna be Holmes maybe Hurts has a little bit of buzz but then you know the quarterback play wasn't super super you know explosive up to what we thought and then you know you start bringing out names like is it gonna be Tyreek CMC like all these things but I think towards the end of the year it really came down to that that Ravens 49ers game and you know Lamar just went out there against Brock Purdy who was also you know get, getting a lot of hype who had a, a really good MVP caliber season himself but you know just watching them on the same field watching Lamar go against you know that great San Francisco defense and wa watching Purdy against that Baltimore defense it, it you kind of just you saw it more than the numbers like watching Lamar what he meant for that team on the field you know, just his ability to move in the pocket, that threat of running, you know, made Fred Warner look like a fool, broke him out in the open field. And, you know, that's the best linebacker in football. He doesn't miss many tackles. So I just think, you know, it, it, it was a little underwhelming this season overall in terms of big performances. But when you watch Lamar, you know, what he's continued to do in the playoffs, the end of the season, and even in the beginning of the season, he's been probably the most consistent quarterback so far, and I, I just think, you know, the way this season's gone, Lamar, that offense, you know, that next step he's taken as a passer, and we've been saying that all year, you know, this is the best he's looked in the pocket, passing the ball, not looking to run, using his legs to extend plays, not just make plays on the ground. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think this is definitely Lamar's second MVP. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, you know, it's as impressive or as big as his first MVP when he had all those crazy numbers, but... I think as a football player, this MVP really shows the progression and how much better of a quarterback Lamar Jackson has become, not just a, a pure athlete. Yeah, you mentioned that, that Niners game, uh, primetime national television. A lot of people were calling for Brock for MVP. Uh, Lamar went out there, handled business, and embarrassed the Niners. So I think that was really the turning point this season as far as MVP conversations. It's going to move us to Offensive Player of the Year. A couple players you could go with here. I'm going to go ahead and go with Tyreek Hill, man. Uh, 119 catches, 
1,799 yards, 13 touchdowns, averaging 151 uh, point yards a catch. And Tyreek could have easily broke 2,000, a lot of drop passes, played banged up uh, most of the year as well. But you look at it, that Dolphins offense is literally nothing without Tyreek Hill. You saw it towards the back end of the season. And even the playoffs, man, the only touchdown they had was Tyreek Hill on a deep route. It, without Tyreek Hill, that Dolphins offense just doesn't go. They weren't able to establish anything, dominated all year. Obviously started real hot, cooled off towards the end of the season, kind of opposite of LJ, which is why you might be able to go with a different player in this category, which I'm assuming you probably are. But I'm, I'm going to go ahead and mark down Tyreek Hill, Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I'm not mad at that at all, man. I mean, Tyreek Hill, his explosiveness, and they literally built the offense around him. That's kind of how it's built in Miami. And um, the player I picked, Christian McCaffrey, the offense is built around him as well in San Francisco. I mean, over 1,400 rushing yards, his career high in rushing yards this season. Over 500 receiving yards, hit that 2K total scrimmage yard mark. I believe he also had 21 total touchdowns, led the league, or was tied with Raheem Mostert, 18 rushing touchdowns. So, you know, was the number one running back in terms of rushing yards and touchdowns. And it's another one of those things where it's like you talk about how what Tyreek meant to that Miami offense. I mean, without Christian McCaffrey, this San Francisco offense, you know, does not move the way it does. McCaffrey does so much for this team. They use him in the backfield. They line him up at receiver. He's in the slot. He's a willing blocker. I mean, it's just at this point, there's really we've seen Christian McCaffrey. We know what he can do. Best running back in the league. And when he's in that Shanahan system, the way they use him, I mean, versatile all over the field. You even saw last year in the playoffs against the Eagles, he came in and played emergency quarterback. So in terms of offensive player, there's literally nothing Christian McCaffrey can't do. And I think this year, the way that offense was rolling for the 49ers, literally a safety blanket for Brock Purdy back there on the check downs, using the motion, putting him anywhere and everywhere on the field, a nose for the end zone. I think Christian McCaffrey had a an outstanding year, so I got him as Offensive Player of the Year. Moving on, DPOY, man. I'll go ahead with Miles Garrett. Kind of um, literally not his best season statistically, uh, but his impact definitely was felt out there for the Browns. Finished the season, 42 tackles, 33 solo, 14 sacks, four forced fumbles, three passes deflected, 17 uh, TFLs to go along with it. And Miles Garrett's been a cornerstone of the Browns franchise, heart and soul of that defensive line. Uh, thinking back to that Tennessee Titans game where he moved around the line a couple times and the Titans motioned two tight ends to go follow him everywhere, force that uh, delay a game. It, it just shows you how offenses have to treat Miles Garrett, even though stats don't look like it, the amount of double teams. I'm not going to sit here and talk about all the holding calls he never got this year. He's a force to be reckoned with the way he's able to stop the run as well as rush the passer. Um, a big body on the outside part of the D line, and he's improved as a run stopper every single year. Uh, I think, you know, playing a little bit banged up as well, but MG definitely deserving DPOY. There's some other names up there that could definitely get it as well, but I'm going to go ahead, stick with Miles Garrett on this one. Yeah, I'm going to be there with you. I mean, you know, your common names were going to be up there. You know, you got the Micah Parsons, the TJ Watts, Miles Garrett, 
Nick Bosa, all of these guys have great years, but I mean, I'm just rocking with what you said. You know, sitting here, got the Browns bias rubbing off on me a little bit, but I mean, <laughs> athletically watching him on the field, it's just, you know, coming off the edge, that crazy bend, plus his power. I mean, he just affects the, the game in so many different ways. And, you know, being that staple, that focal point of that, you know, dominance Browns defense, I just think he, Miles Garrett is definitely deserving this year. Yeah, moving on, offensive rookie of the year. Pretty much we got I think we got this one uh wrapped up in the bag as well. CJ Stroud gonna go ahead and be my pick. Sixty three point nine percent completion percentage. Um four thousand one hundred and eight yards through the air, twenty three touchdowns, only five interceptions and a hundred point eight uh passer rating if you want to dive in there. If you, yeah, you Stroud. I do have Stroud as well. I mean, what he was able to do as a rookie coming in at the quarterback position, I mean, it's just unheard of. You know, besides Andrew Luck, we really haven't seen a rookie quarterback come in and put his team on his back and carry his team. And, you know, Stroud got these guys to a divisional playoff game, got a playoff win. Huge, huge for uh, the Houston Texans. But I don't think you can discuss this category without mentioning Puka Nakua, who I think is a very, very close second. Had arguably, I mean, not even arguably, pretty much had the greatest rookie receiving year ever in NFL history, over 1,400 receiving yards, 105 receptions, six total touchdowns. I mean, I, I think he is the reason the Rams were as good as they were because Cooper Cup, he's the focal point of that offense, that McShay offense. You get that slot receiver, Stafford, his number one guy. Well, you literally just put in Puka Nakua in Cooper Cup's role when he missed those first few games. And then even down the stretch, he kind of stepped up and took that number one receiver role. And he was the reason Stafford, and that offense didn't really miss a beat when they were fully healthy. So I think Puka Nakua brings a little something different to the table from Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, more of that, you know, shifty slot guy getting open with, you know, his routes and his fluidity and his quickness. Whereas Puka Nakua, he's, you know, going over the middle. He's catching all those hard passes. He's taking hits and, you know, creating separation with his body and getting open not as shifty or as quick as Cooper Cup, but still very strong, great hands. And I think, you know, if it wasn't for C.J. Stroud being an anomaly at the quarterback position and, you know, the most important position in football, I think Puka Nakua is right up there and he's just as deserving. But we all know how, you know, those quarterbacks, they, yeah, they get all the awards. QB's so, award. Yeah, I mean, either way, I think both of these guys are, you know, very deserving. And they could do like a co-award and maybe give it to them both. Yeah. I don't know, but... Yeah, I mean, Stroud, Puka, either way, I'll rock with Stroud just because, you know, the quarterback bias. But I think both of those guys are more than deserving for this award. Yeah, and the fact the Texans were literally uh, one play away from picking first overall in last year's draft, changed the course of that franchise yeah. within, you know, a year. And mm -hmm. being able to do that in the NFL is And both different. of these guys stepping up in the postseason yep. as well. Stroud, you know, had that great game against that Browns defense and, you know, in that wild card matchup against Puka. the Lions and the Rams, Puka was, you know, on fire. They didn't have a, they really didn't have an answer for him. And, you know, if it wasn't for a ticky tacky call, you know, could have gone either <laughs> way. Maybe they got onto the divisional round. So both rookies, offensive rookies, you know, making a big impact for their teams all season and even in the postseason. So two great seasons for them guys. Defensive rookie of the year up next. And I'm I'm just I'm gonna rock with uh Will Anderson. Texans rookie awards continue. I think the obvious answer here, um, probably Jalen Carter, but, you know, me knowing you're an Eagles fan, uh, just to play sort of 
you know, the other side here. Will Anderson, 45 tackles on the year, 29 solo, 7 sacks. He only played 15 games. Uh, when the Browns, you know, played them the first time in a regular season, there was no pass rush whatsoever. Pressure wasn't getting home. Then you see the Texans in the playoffs match up once again against the Browns. Will Anderson, he was in the backfield all day harassing Joe Flacco. I know they had backup tackles in the game, but even still, the Texans didn't get that pressure when Will Anderson wasn't on the field. You saw the impact he had when he was on the field in the defense and what they were able to do. Will Anderson, definitely a bright future in the league. I'd personally probably give the nod uh, to Jalen Carter, but just had to play uh, the other side here for a minute. Yeah, I mean, you said it. Eagles bias, you know, the one of the lone bright spots for this, you know, up and down roller coaster wild Eagles season, I think, you know, is Jalen Carter getting him at pick 10. Uh, he had six sacks on the year, eight TFLs, two forced fumbles, and even had a fumble return touchdown against the Cowboys. I mean, for Jalen Carter, what he really does, you know, with defensive tackles, what these guys, what they do really doesn't show up on the stat sheets. When you look at guys like Aaron Donald, when you look at guys like Chris Jones, even, you know, the Jeffrey Simmons of the world, these interior pass rushers that just demand so much attention, they just make it so much easier for the guys around them. And then, you know, that defensive line Philly has, I know it did slow down towards the end of the year, you know, the second half of the season. I think Jalen Carter's impact and, you know, the way he was making plays, even had a blocked field goal on the season as well. Just, you know, doing all the little things and really showed – I think he was really polished as well. You know, came from Georgia, that entire D-line class. You know, Georgia, greatest defense ever in college football, pumping out a lot of guys. So I think, you know, Jalen Carter's impact wasn't as big on the stat sheet as it was on the field. And then, granted, he did slow down a little bit towards the end of the season. But that's, you know, just a rookie getting adjusted to that NFL life, the NFL schedule, a lot more games, playing a lot harder. But I think Jalen Carter definitely showed – more than enough flashes, and I think you know for this this award, I think it's between him or Witherspoon. I will personally give it. You mentioned Anderson; he had made a really strong case, but I just think Jalen Carter's impact from the defensive interior position is just too meaningful. And I think you know he he gets the nod here in terms of you know trying to find these guys that can create pressure from the interior. That's like the biggest thing, the most important thing from defenses get that pressure really quick on that quarterback from the interior, and I think Jalen Carter has a chance to do that for a very long time in Philadelphia, so I will give him the nod, Eagles bias. Uh, last up, we're going to do Coach of the Year. I got Kevin Stefanski, man, and once again, Brown's bias possibly here, but, you know, just the revolving door, you go through up and down this whole roster. If you told me the Browns would have 11 wins, um, the night Nick Chubb got hurt on Monday Night Football, I would have said, no way. Deshaun Watson goes out for the season. You start five different quarterbacks. You lose the heart and soul and identity of the offense in Nick Chubb. Mari Cooper's in and out the lineup. You lose both tackles, season-ending IR, um, defense banged up, You know, linebackers out. I think it was two healthy linebackers that finished the year. Um, you know, Denzel Ward, yearly injuries, of course, stuff like that. If you told me, you know, their playoff team, Joe Flacco, coming off the couch, leading them, you know, prime time to beat the Jets at home to clinch the divisional or playoff spot to clinch the wild card. Uh, I would have thought you were just straight up lying to me is all a dream. 
Uh, Kevin Safansky uh, definitely did a great job. And I think Joe Flacco fit Safansky's scheme more. So next season, I would like to see him build off Deshaun Watson being a dual-threat quarterback, cater his play style a little better. There's talks, is Safansky going to be the play caller next year in Cleveland uh, while they're looking for a new offensive coordinator? But hats off to him this year. He did a terrific job just keeping the guys together. Uh, when you go down with all those injuries, the locker room maybe starts losing a little bit of hope, a little bit of faith. The Browns didn't flinch. They ended up in the playoffs uh, for the first time three years. So uh, credit to Kevin Stefanski, one-time coach of the year with the Browns. I think he is deserving of a second. Yeah, I'm going to be with you right there with you as well again. I mean, once you, all you have to say is five different starting quarterbacks and 11 wins. Like, I mean, that's just unheard of. The amount of adversity the Cleveland Browns had to go through this year, like you mentioned, I feel like every week we were on here talking about the injuries, you know, guys going down, is Nick Chubb, season ending, all those offensive linemen you guys lost, defensive injuries. Like, it, it was really brutal, but, I mean, they found a way, got 11 wins, took the Browns to the playoffs, so, I mean, I, I agree. I don't think there's any way you can give it to anyone else besides Kevin Stefanski. But, you know, you can't mention the guys like D'Amico Ryans who came in with those young guys, got a playoff win, who beat Stefanski. I think he deserves some credit. And then also Shane Steichen over there with the Colts, lost Anthony Richardson and got Gardner Minshew to pretty much, you know, a last drive, a chance to get into the playoffs. They're a very competitive team this year, but – yeah, I mean, I, what the Browns had to go through and everything that was going on this year with Cleveland, I, I think Stefanski is definitely the lock for a coach of the year. All right, man. I are we? I didn't even do comeback player of the year. I don't know if you. I know. I mean, yeah. I don't know. We'll, it, we'll see what the NFL is on with that one. So yeah. uh, they try to rewrite the script in the playoffs. Did the Bills, but didn't work, man. Fake punt, but pushing on, man. NFC, AFC championship games this weekend. Got some good ones under the belt. Um, I guess we'll kind of cover the games previously while we go through these. Or do you want to go through divisional round two right now? Uh, we can cover the games last week. Divisional right. round. Yeah, let's do it, man. Yeah. Texans, Ravens got the weekend started, man, on Saturday. Uh, it, it was a good start for the Texans, man. First half, they were in the game right where they wanted to be. Uh, LJ and the Ravens, they just sort of just woke up in the second half. Maybe the bye week got them a little bit of rust versus rust versus rest. Um, but LJ just turned it up in the second half, man. And he went back, you know, he was still throwing the football, but the plays he made with his legs, uh, designed runs in the end zone, uh, you know, the scramble plays he made. It is just unreal. It's vintage Lamar Jackson at its finest, watching him healthy this time of year. Something Ravens fans don't get to see all too often, and they finally are. Seeing what he's capable of, uh, proving he's the franchise guy, MVP front runner. Uh, the Texans, they just, you know, it was a bittersweet ending to a, a phenomenal season for him because they definitely had a chance. The offense really, really struggled against this Ravens defense, and it's kind of what you expected the Browns to be the week before. The Ravens just turned it up a notch. You faced two, literally the two best defenses in the NFL back-to-back weeks. Tough task, uh, especially without your favorite receiver, Tank Dell. The ground game was, you know, couldn't get going like they wanted to. And the Ravens, Roquan Smith, all those guys just flying around the field making plays. 
really had the Texans and had their number for the second half because they put their foot on the gas and just didn't look back after that. Yeah, I mean, in the first half, it was definitely a competitive game, 10-10 at halftime, but I agree, man. In that second half, you know, that Ravens offense, and I think this game we definitely saw Lamar. You know, I, I mean, he, we just gave him league MVP, so I'm not going to say, like, he was, like, protecting himself or conserving himself the entire season. But, I mean, we didn't really see him have, you know, that rushing ability this year because he really didn't need to. He was able to make all the plays he needed to make. He was able to win the games from the pocket. But, you know, it's the playoffs, man. It's when to go home. You're trying to get that Super Bowl. You kind of bring out that, you know, that trick up your sleeve or that other element that, you know, just is a backbreaker for teams when Lamar gets outside of that pocket and when he gets in open space, it's like a guaranteed 15 yards. And, I mean, he had 100 yards rushing on the ground and a touchdown. So, like you mentioned, it's that vintage Lamar Jackson, you know, those crazy highlights we're all used to seeing. Well, now he's able to throw and, you know, make plays in the pocket. And now that, you know, we're in the playoffs and you got to have it, he's kind of, you know, bringing in that other element of that running rushing attack. And, I mean, I, I'm not sure how you stop it, but – like you said, that Ravens defense also, man. They got guys all over the place. And, you know, Mar I don't even think Marlon Humphrey played this last game. But when you got guys like Kyle Hamilton on the back end and that pass rush, it it's just tough. But, yeah, I mean, a, a great a great year for the Texans. You mentioned, you know, had offense and defensive rookie on their team. So, I mean, and we even mentioned the head coach for Coach of the Year. But I think the Ravens right now, I'm, they see this opportunity. They kind of know that, you know, I mean, if you look on the NFC side, they already beat both of those teams pretty convincingly. So, so they just got to get through the Chiefs, and they feel pretty good. And, I mean, the way the Ravens are playing right now, all the confidence in the world. You got Lamar Jackson playing the best football of his life. It's just going to be hard for anybody to beat this team. So it, it was a great game, but I do believe, you know, like you mentioned, second half, Ravens woke up, and the Texans were just outmatched. Moving on, man, a Saturday night primetime game. I think, you know, possibly the Chiefs-Bills wasn't so good. Game of the postseason, uh, Packers-Niners in that nightcap. The Packers, they looked um, great, got off to an early lead. Second half, the, uh, I think the Niners took a one-point lead. Packers came back, took it, a back-and-forth matchup. Obviously, the deciding factor, your offensive player of the year, Christian McCaffrey, and he just became – um, the guy, and they said, here's the ball, go find us a touchdown. He did exactly what they needed at that point. I will say Brock Purdy did it, you know, wasn't the best game of his life, but he managed the game well. Um, and Christian McCaffrey, he just really took over in that second half. He was unstoppable. Packers were trying to find answers for him, and it, it's tough when you got guys hitting them, and he's just bouncing off tackles. Like, you know, he's not the biggest dude, but he he's built strong. Uh, to bounce off hits and just keep it going, and he did that perfectly. And, you know, Jordan Love, that first pick he threw, uh, bad throw over the middle, tip in the air, and that's the worst thing you want to see as a quarterback. Your receiver tipping the ball in the air <laughs> leads to a pick, and then obviously trying to go down for that game-winning drive at the end, uh, throwing that cross-body interception, just kind of hoping for a prayer at that point, Love was. And then you could go into the missed field goal that could have, you know, tied the game up or whatnot. But tons of pressure on kickers. You see it week in and week out. And you saw it, you know, in that Chiefs-Bills game we're about to talk about soon. So, uh, name of the game, man, making those kicks. Game of inches for sure. Uh, maybe an unreasonable spot on that fourth and one. 
uh, quarterback sneak early in the game, whatever it was. You know, the Packers were almost not in the playoffs, and they were, you know, inches away from beating the Niners and heading into an NFC championship game with Jordan Love's, you know, first true season uh, under center. So we'll see what they do. You know, rumors of, you know, they want to make Jordan Love one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. We'll see. I think he's got one more year on his option. Um, so exciting season for the Pack. Niners move on uh, into the NFC Championship game once again. Yeah, this is this was a really good game. I mean, the Packers. You, you can say for majority of the game they were the better team. That offense for Green Bay was, you know, in the first couple quarters it was clicking. I believe they came right out of halftime, got Touchdown. the ball, scored, drove down the field. You know, against a, a very good San Francisco defense. I mean, they got a bunch of weapons out there in Green Bay, man. They got two tight ends. They got all those receivers, and Aaron Jones was back fully healthy, running all over San Francisco. So, you know, that was nice to see. The The future for Green Bay, I think, is is really bright. But this game just came down to, you know, the, the more experienced team capitalizing on mistakes early. Brock Purdy had a couple, you know, mistakes, bad throws that, you know, a couple of them could have been interceptions, pick six dropped by Savage. I think Nixon dropped one a little later in the game. Well, whereas, you know, Jordan Love, he makes a little mistake, like you mentioned, ball to the air. Dre Greenlaw, he's right there for the interception, capitalized on that takeaway. And then, you know, at the end of the game, just throwing the ball, kind of like you mentioned, wishing for a prayer. And Jordan Love throwing another interception. So, I mean, yeah, you could mention the missed field goal. Packers felt like the best team. Majority of the game, but San Francisco 49ers and, like you mentioned, Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy, you know, he didn't have his best game. A lot of missed throws, you know, can't can he grip the ball in the weather? Didn't really look like he, you know, was that accurate in the elements. But, you know, on that final drive when they needed to go down, when they needed to get points, Brock Purdy was good enough. He made some really good throws and he made the plays they needed to make. Like you mentioned, he he was a, a great game manager during that game when they needed him to. And. All I'm going to say is, man, the, the Packers are a fun team. You know, we watched that game together in person. And after the 49ers went down and scored, man, I, I believe, man, you know, a little live bit on the we Packers, did. man. I, I thought Jordan Love and that offense had a chance to go down and, you know, take the lead and win the game. So, listen, if I'm live betting on a team, man, I, I really believe in them. And I think Jordan Love definitely is the future yeah. for Green Bay. I think that offense has a really, really bright future. I think Green Bay has a chance to be like, you know, the Lions of the offseason. You know, the last last year, Lions just missed the playoffs. Everyone loves Detroit. They got this explosive offense, this and that, you know, super young, fun team where I think coming in next year, the Packers are going to have a bunch of hype during the offseason, get some guys back healthy. But I just think, you know, you know they, they are very, very deep in that receiver room. They got Christian, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, who stepped up big. Jaden Reed, they got Wicks, they got Melton, a bunch of guys out there, and then the two rookie tight ends who stepped up. So Jordan Love got super, super better throughout this year. Really played, you know, a strong end of the season, played great into the playoffs, torched Dallas, and had a, a solid game against San Francisco up to the very end. So if you're a Packers fan, I think, you know, the at this point, the rich just keep getting richer, man. I mean, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and now it looks like Jordan Love is – going to be another one of those franchise guys but yeah i mean all credit to the 49ers man they they i, I think at the end it kind of looked like they were the more experienced team and they just found a way to win so you got to tip your cap to them yeah the, the experience is just capitalizing off those mistakes you mentioned a live band 
uh, the Packers, man. We were really, you know, it was jumping, man. We were trying to get a little pack pack rolling, man. See something different in an NFC Championship game this year. Uh, but the Niners, you know, they go back and we'll talk about their matchup with the Lions. Um, Bucks-Lions Bucks, Sunday got the ball rolling. Um, I mean, I really don't know what to say about this game. Jared Goff, he handled business. Jameer Gibbs, I think, I don't even know his name. The third string running back on the Lions scored a touchdown on that fourth and one at the goal line. Amin Ra just being um, all reliable. I mean, you need him. Amin Ra just shows up quietly. Silent killer, he does his job. That Lions defense, you know, able to force some turnovers on Baker. Um, not going to say happy feet in the pocket, but we know how it is. When he sees that pressure... They got the scrambling. Dan Campbell was bringing some blitzes against the Bucks and really had Baker, you know, making some poor decisions that he didn't make, you know, for a majority of this season, I will say. Uh, Chauncey Gardner got that early pick. Um, the only comment I really have is the Lovey Smith giving up that whole, you know, end of the game. He didn't burn that timeout, <laughs> force him to kick that field goal, uh, whatnot, anything like that. But, uh, I mean, Great game by the Lions. The Bucks. they weren't really supposed to be here. A nine-win divisional winner in Tampa Bay. Um, Baker Mayfield sort of rewrites the script on his career as possibly, you know, still being a starter in this league. So we'll see um, moving on. Yeah, I think the the Bucks put up a good fight, but I just – I didn't – there was no way the Lions were losing, man. Back-to-back home playoff games after not having one in I don't know how many years. I know everyone's talking about that, but – I mean, that Lions offense just looks really, really efficient. And defensively, they're stepping up when they need to to make plays. You mentioned they got C.J. Johnson back. He made you know, a big play in the beginning, caught that interception. And I think the big story here for the Bucks, like you mentioned, you know, Baker trying to rewrite his career. I think Baker and Mike Evans, two guys who really stepped up in this playoff game in pretty much all season, two guys who were kind of, you know, written off Mike Evans at the end of his career. Does he still have it? Tom Brady's not there. Maybe he falls off a little bit. The Bucks not willing to pay him going into this season. Well, he's going to be a free agent, and he just had his, what, 10th consecutive 1,000-yard uh, season, had a bunch of touchdowns this year. Mike Evans is definitely going to get paid. He balled out in the playoff game, the divisional playoff game as well. And then Baker Mayfield, man, I mean, you know, you've had, you know, your experiences with him, ups and downs as a Cleveland Browns fan. But he definitely went in to Tampa Bay, was in a quarterback battle with who was it Driscoll? Jeff Driscoll? Was it? I mean, Kyle Trask. Kyle, no, Kyle Trask. Yeah, <laughs> Kyle Trask. Long UF to, legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so from from that into the offseason and going into you know actually winning the playoff game and you know playing in the divisional round, I think Baker Mayfield has definitely earned himself a nice little payday. But this Lions team, I think, I just think we're better on on both fronts, and I think the right team won here. But I mean, a, a great story for the Bucks a team that fought hard. You know, we made fun of their division all season, so it, it was cool to see the best team in that division make it. You know, outside of the wild card round. Chiefs Bills, the last divisional game. I mean, this one, I just, I mean, I don't know how many times I need to say it, man. The Chiefs, you know. They'll get the calls. Uh, NFL is not going to let the Chiefs lose on a call. So is they're going to have to blow it themselves. Um, and Chiefs-Bills came down to a wire. Another instant classic in the AFC playoffs. Uh, just like every other year. This one, you know, 
not so much, you know, Patrick Mahomes torching. What was the score? It was in the 20s. Yeah, I think it was 27, 24. Yeah. So, you look at it, Kelsey, you know, getting in the end zone, finally kind of sort of looking like a, you know, former previous year's Travis Kelsey we are used to seeing at this point. Pacheco, you know, he runs hard. Um, Rasheed Rice, you know, he's trustworthy on the outside. He's becoming, you know, Mahomes' favorite receiver to target. Um, McCole Hardman trying to sell the game for the Chiefs, and <laughs> they didn't do it. I mean, that fumble into the end zone, which I loved at the time, but I knew the Chiefs were going to win. Um, reminded me of that Rashad Higgins fumble into the end zone. No call, but whatever. As a Browns fan, that, that brought joy to my uh, joy to my night, that's for sure. <laughs> in, in the Bills, I mean, you know, no Gabe Davis. Sh- Khalil Shakir really stepped up in a big fashion. And then you just look, and it's it's Stephon Diggs, man. I mean, I think he had eight targets, two catches, or whatever it was. Tough day for Diggs. And then once again, I mean, he's sitting. He's the laughing stock of the memes going around. Uh, once again, losing to the Chiefs. What's going on in Buffalo? I think him and Shakir have the same amount of receiving yards, um, with Diggs having nearly double the amount of targets. I think it was eighty targets to Shakir's forty over. A certain span it was, but I mean, the Bills, they played a really great game. The Chiefs, once again, just too much Patrick Mahomes, just being Pat Mahomes when they need it, makes a big play. Um, Andy Reid dials up the right play call in that defense, stepped up when they needed it, and then once again, another missed kick, um, you know, 40-some yarder in that Buffalo winner. I mean, that's got to be one of the hardest kicks to make, and, you know, tough for Tyler Bass. Being a kicker at this time of year in Buffalo, I mean, it really sucks. But once again, that's the draw of the card, man. It comes down to a kick, and that's sort of what brings the season to an end. Yeah, I mean, this this is just the classic big brother, little brother matchup. I mean, throughout the <laughs> entire game, I mean, the Chiefs, it seems like they had so many things like go wrong for them. Like you mentioned, I mean, Mahomes wasn't even throwing the ball all over the field. Didn't have any crazy yards, although he was, you know, he was classic Patrick Mahomes. He's going to, you know, take his shots here and there, but he protected the football. You mentioned the fumble for um, McCole Hartman on the goal line. But on the Bills' side, I mean, Josh Allen, he fumbles the ball. They get a lucky bounce. They recover. Diggs just missed, you know, that that one catch down the field. I think I felt like it was a pretty even game mm-hmm. throughout the game, but in the back of my head, I'm like, the, the Chiefs are just gonna win this. Like, I mean, <laughs> the the Bills, Josh Allen, he didn't make any like crazy plays, you know, got his legs going early, but then he kind of went away from it, and then it, it wasn't really, you know, the Josh Allen that we're so used to seeing, you know, him pushing the ball down the field, no matter what it is. I mean, that matchup, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, those are probably the two quarterbacks that the weather affects in the league the least. Like, I mean, both of those guys made some pretty impressive throws down the field, whether they were caught or not is, you know, besides this fact. But two guys with, you know, world-class elite arm talent, no matter, you know, the conditions or whatever, they were making throws all over the field. You just maybe wanted to see, you know, the Bills push the ball down the field a little bit more, see Josh Allen, you know, take a couple more risks, especially in the playoffs, like – I know Josh Allen gets a really bad rap. He turns the ball over. He's, he's too risky, this and that. But, I mean, you're in the playoffs. This is literally when you want to risk it all. This is when you need the big play, the big knockout punch. 
And, you know, they tried it there at the end with Diggs, but I just felt like it was too little too late. And then you mentioned the field goal, man. Watching the game, I was like, okay, if they make this field goal or whatever, I'm like, all right. First off, what would the score be? It just would have been tied. And second of all, Patrick Mahomes had like a minute 20 or a minute and some seconds left on the clock. I'm like, even if he does make it, I like just thought, I'm like, all right, he's going to make this. seconds all they need. I, yeah, I'm like, he's going to make this and then Mahomes is going to go down and win. I'm like, all he needs is a field goal. Like, he doesn't <laughs> even need a touchdown. The game's tied. It, it just felt like the Chiefs were going to go down and win. And then he just ends up missing the field goal wide right. All the jokes and stuff like that. But it, it just felt like the Bills were right there. And once again, it, it just slipped out. But I think if you're for the Buffalo Bills, it's very disappointing the way this season went. You know, you wanted to win. Everyone's saying if you're going to beat the Chiefs is this year. But I think the Bills had an impressive season. You know, from where they started, I think it was what? They had like a less than 9% chance to make the playoffs at one point, the way they rallied back, won the division, beat the Dolphins, showed a lot of grit, showed a lot of heart the way they came back and, you know, made the playoffs. So I think you got to give the Bills some credit there. But ultimately, I mean... It's just tough right now. I don't. I don't. I just don't see how they're going to be able to get over that hump and beat you know these top AFC teams right now. Because even if they were to go and beat the Chiefs, I'm I don't know how what they were going to do with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. So I I think it's definitely you know the Ravens and the Chiefs are in a tier of their own right now, and the Bills are just on the outside looking in. But I think the Bills are just they're going to be competitive as long as they have Josh Allen, but. Like I said before on the last show, man, I, I can't bet against, you know, Mahomes and Andy Reid, and I didn't want some bread. And, I, I mean, it, it's the Chiefs, bro. As long as they have Patrick Mahomes, as long as they have Andy Reid, it's going to be tough to bet against them. Yeah, I mean, the Bills did take those deep shots. It it took one of Trent Sherfield. It was, you know. But, the, yeah, they, I, they did. They yeah. were conservative deep shots. I mean, it was And it was towards down. the end of the game, yeah, too. It was, like, in the know, fourth quarter. like you, you They maybe, try to keep themselves in that game, you know, yeah. within striking, not make those turnovers to make the game, you know, sort of get out of hand, which it almost did after that one turnover is just McCole Hardman coughed it right back up. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's going to move us. AFC Championship game, Sunday, 3, 3.30 maybe. Um, Eastern Time, Chiefs, Ravens at M&T Bank Stadium. Ravens hosting a playoff game here at conference championship game. So, uh, you mentioned you're not betting against Mahomes. I'll let you take your pick, but I'm going with the Chiefs, man. I mean, LJ, terrific season, this and that. My heart and soul, I I can't pick the Ravens. even though I do think it's going to be a really close game, Patrick Mahomes just looking at it. I mean, Tom Brady's not in the playoffs. There's two of his career playoff losses. The next one, Joe Burrow. So I guess the AFC North might have his number at this point. That's the only other quarterbacks that can beat him. Other than that, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, is he's just gone to the Super Bowl every year. He's been in the AFC Championship game, if not gone to the Super Bowl. Here, I, I don't see it any different, man. They found a way to beat the Bills. They found a way into the playoffs after this roller coaster of a season. The Ravens sort of been cruising, been that dominating, pulverizing team all year long. And I think the Chiefs, I wouldn't say sneak up because you're not taking them lightly, but I think they get it done on the road. I mean, it's going to be tough. You mentioned LJ, you know, passing all year long, and then he comes out with that running uh the running school of Lamar Jackson in the divisional round. It's going to be tough to contain him. You're not going to be able to limit 
LJ um, all game long. But I think Patrick Mahomes, he's going to find a way to get it done. I think uh, Travis Kelsey can't have those drops he did like he did in the wild card game against the Dolphins because it was four or five drops he had. I think they get it done. Pacheco maybe take some pressure off the passing game, get the run game going. But against that Ravens team, I don't think it's going to be possible. I think it's going to be all Mahomes. I think the defense is going to make one or two big plays. LeJarrius Sneed, he's been balling of late. Uh, so, I mean, just give me the Chiefs on the road. The NFL, the script, the refs, whatever it is. <laughs> Sorry for all real NFL fans, but we will be seeing Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl. Listen, man, I, I just said if they got Mahomes and they got Andy Reid, I'm not betting against them. So, listen, <laughs> give me the plus three and a half. But uh, money line, man, I'm, t- <laughs> I'm taking the Ravens, dog. I mean, just I think uh, when you look at this game, the way both teams are built, defensively, I think they're two very similar defenses. Although, I will tip my hat to Baltimore. I think their defense is going to be a little faster, a little more physical. They're flying around, but Chiefs defense – is a very, very solid unit. They have a very good defense. So I think, like you mentioned, it's going to come down to the offense. And Patrick Mahomes, when you look at that offense, they've had questions all season. Travis Kelsey, he's looked like he's taken a step back. Although last week, you know, found the end zone twice, got back going. And then when you look at the receivers, you got guys like McCole Harmon following the ball through the end zone. Rasheed Rice has kind of, you know, only been the one to step up. MVS, we didn't talk about. He had a nice catch on that. You know, in the fourth quarter for the for the Chiefs, he finally stepped up. But all season, he's been hit or miss. Whereas when you look at the Ravens, I mean, what can you take away? Mark Andrews possibly coming back. He was practicing last week. It looks like he's on track to play. So you got tight ends over the middle of the field. Likely who's, you know, been a, an explosive, you know, newcomer to this offense. Rookie last year, he stepped up big time when Andrews was out. You know, one of Lamar's favorite targets. You know, he likes to target that tight end. So you bring Andrews back. Can you take them away? Well, then you look at the perimeter. Zay Flowers has been one of the best rookie receivers. Aguilar, we talked about last year. Listen, when he's playing good, he wins Super Bowls. So he stepped up. I think he even scored in the game last week. And then you got Odell. He he has experience. You know, not explosive, not who he used to be, but... Him, Rashad Bateman, Duvernay, they got some guys that can catch the ball. And then the run game, I mean, Dalvin Cook looked like he was back in Minnesota wearing, Minnesota wearing <laughs> that purple jersey, you know. And then Lamar Jackson, his dynamic ability. If you do manage to take away all the weapons in the passing game, I mean, that means there's going to be no one spying or watching Lamar. And you saw what he was able to do last week, rush for 100 yards. I just think the Ravens have too many answers offensively. Running the ball between their running backs, you know what they do. They're going to have a solid run game. And then Lamar Jackson finally has viable passing options on the outside, and he still has reliable Mark Andrews at Isaiah Likely. I just think, you know, altogether, this unit offensively is just going to be a little too much, whereas the Chiefs at this point, like, outside of Mahomes, you can't really trust anybody. Offensive line has been spotty. The tackles, they've been up and down this entire season. That Baltimore pass rush, like you talked about, led the league in sacks. They're going to get after Mahomes. I think, I just think the Ravens offensively have too many answers now. Now, if there's anyone to do it, it'll be Patrick Mahomes. I just think the way the Ravens are playing, they're a little healthier. Getting some guys back, I just think it's the Ravens' year this year. They're playing, you know, 
this is the Super Bowl, I feel like. Whoever wins this game, I feel like compared to the NFC, I just think they're, they're going to be better. And whoever wins this game, I think, will have a lot of confidence going into the Super Bowl. With that being said, the Ravens are the hot team right now. I just think they have a little bit more juice offensively. Both defenses are really good and kind of, you know, even each other out. But the Ravens and Lamar, I just think, have one or two answers that the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes think it's going to be one of those plays where he's looking down the field, MVS or Noah Gray just can't make the catch, and Mahomes put it right where he needed to, and, you know, the team just doesn't come through for him. Whereas Lamar, I mean, pick a guy you want him to throw to. I have a lot more confidence, and then if he's not throwing it, Lamar and his legs can definitely get it done on the ground. So I think this has, this is going to be a, a, a great game. Two of the best quarterbacks playing right now, two, you know, former MVPs, current MVP and Lamar. This is going to be a great game, but... Give me the Ravens in a, in, a, in an all time, all time classic playoff matchup. Yeah, um, don't be shocked, man. I, I think I think KT is gonna earn his way back onto the oh, roster. I didn't even mention Kadarius Tony. That's how yeah. much of a non-factor he's been. Well, he hasn't been dressing out. That's why. <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> he makes his biggest play of the year in the AFC Championship game. Hey, listen, against hey, the man. Super Bowl the last Super Bowl, year. Yeah, yeah exactly. Listen, he Kadarius, woke up. There's anyone who knows about Kadarius Tony making plays. <laughs> It'd be an Eagles fan I'm right Take here. a punt back. Uh, punt back, man. That little uh, uh, play at the end. So whatever it was. Something where he really didn't need to use his hands too much. But yeah, it's going to bring us to Sunday Night Football, man. Lions, Niners, and the Lions. Um, not sure when they won a Super Bowl. If ever. Uh, it doesn't even matter. It's been a long time coming for the Lions. Niners get right back to where they were last year. This time. With the healthy quarterback uh, last year, you mentioned CMC being that emergency QB, just running wildcat at that point. Lions Niners in San Fran, and I'm going to go ahead and rock with the Lions. The Niners are a better team um, from the top down. Debo Samuel is going to be questionable heading into this game. I think that's going to be a huge factor for the 49ers. Um, If I'm the Lions, I'm just... I'm sending everything I got to stop that run and Christian McCaffrey. If you neutralize Christian McCaffrey, you got a legit chance of winning this game. And I know their secondary isn't the greatest. Brock Purdy, last week you mentioned he looked not too pretty out there on the field, made a lot of mistakes. The Packers couldn't capitalize. Well, I think the Lions capitalized this week. They're going to be in the driver's seat to win this game. And on the other hand, they're able to run the football. I know the Niners got one of the best uh, fronts in football. Um but if Jared Goff's able to make his plays and play how he's been playing, you know, the past two weeks, I think the Lions could win this game. Amon Ra on the outside. I mentioned Sam Laporta. Um, I saw they just signed Zach Ertz to the practice squad. Don't think he'd be playing this week anyways, regardless of the factor. But I just think the Lions, man, it, it could be the storyline. I just the way the Niners played last week, they tried everything they could to lose that game. You know, other than the defense, well, Brock Purdy tried to lose the game because <laughs> McCaffrey he was running everywhere. He couldn't find Ayuk on the field. He was you know a shell of what he's been this season. George Kittle as well. He wasn't hitting all his spots. He did his job game managing. You're gonna need a little more than a game manager in an NFC Championship game. Uh, he's going to have to make some big throws. You mentioned that last drive. He was able to drive down the field, score that touchdown. I just think it's just stopping McCaffrey at this point for the Lions. And I think that's what Dan Campbell's reiterating in this locker room. 
uh, from the top down, and I think it, it's going to be a big day. You mentioned the 49ers' weakness was that secondary all season long. If that pass rush couldn't get there, you're able to beat their secondary. I think the Lions protect. I think Amon Ra. I really think it's a Jamison Williams type day for the Lions. I think he goes nuts in the NFC Championship game, whatever his over-unders at on the line. I might be hammering that over. So give me the Lions on the road. Both the road teams win the conference championship. Yeah, I think when it comes down to this, the 49ers are just right now, I believe they're a better team. So that's why I can just see them easily winning this. I mean, if they come out, you know, pound the ball, Christian McCaffrey is just too much. Debo, I think that is a very key part. I think Debo being there is huge, but if not mm-hmm. – you want to try to find to get find a way to get IU going. You want to get him the ball. He's been a super explosive for them this year, a career year over there in San Francisco. And then Kittle over the middle, you know, all reliable. He's kind of you know talk about two great Iowa tight ends going at it. You know, the rookie <laughs> and the vet. I mean, two two tight ends have just been you know pivotal pivotal to their offense's success. I just think you know 49ers, their defense, Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave. They had a, a lackluster performance last week. Chase Young, even you know all these names that we think you know should be coming out having huge games. They just didn't really have you know the biggest game against the Packers. I think they're going to be a little motivated. You know they hear the noise, people saying, "Are they really as good as we think? Are they a little overrated?" Uh, the Niners, I think, are just a better overall team. They, and I can definitely see them winning. But I mean. I'm picking the Lions, bro. Like I, I can't pick the 49ers, especially oh, as the Eagles, as the Eagles fan. You know, everything the Niners have done, yes. I think they have a chance to win. I think they're the better team. But I think even though the Packers lost last week, I think they definitely put a blueprint for the Lions out there to sh- kind of move the ball and beat this 49ers team. And I think we see a lot of it. You mentioned that run game. Aaron Jones was able to get a lot of success out on the, you know, outside of that mm-hmm. defense, kind of running away from, you know, the strength of the defense. You know, Nick Bosa. Javon Hargrave, all those guys, Chase Young, all those guys on the defensive line. The Packers really tried to stretch that defensive line and get them moving laterally. Well, when you have Jameer Gibbs, one of the most explosive young backs in the league, you mix in David Montgomery, punch him in the mouth a little bit. What do the Lions do best? That offensive line is really, really good as well. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be two weeks in a row. That San Fran defensive line is going to be going up against, you know, a great offensive line. They run block very well over there in Detroit. That's what they like to do, get golf under center. What we saw Jordan Love do, get under center, get that run game going. And then you're going to be able to hit the play action shots. And, I mean, golf won't be in the dome, but get him going and play action, get those, those you know, linebackers biting up. Greenlaw and Warner have them, you know, split second guessing. And then you mentioned over the middle, Laporta, he's been amazing. Amin Ra, he's going to be good. And then, Jamison Williams, I do think, you know, that's one thing the Packers didn't have last week is, you know, a true mm-hmm. field stretcher. They have a lot of really good receivers, but none of them are as fast as Jamison Williams. Nah, I don't not, not even one of, the, one of the fastest receivers in the league, maybe Christian Watson, but, you know, he he was banged up. Yeah. No, not fully 100%, whereas Jamison Williams, I think that you made a really good point. I think he'll definitely be able to stretch that field and maybe they get one to two shots in. 49ers could easily win this game. I think they're oh, yeah. the better team, but I, I'm picking Detroit Lions, I like man. This. I, I can't rock with the Niners. I, I can't. You might have just made my give me night because I could pick the Ravens. Man. You can't pick that. That made my night, man. Um, yeah, and he's not playing in that dome. You mentioned Jared Goff. 
but it's San Francisco. Yeah, it might be a little breezy. He'll out be back there, in bro, Cali, bro. Like, he's comfortable in California. Yeah. Went to college there, played for the Rams. So he, he'll be comfortable home. That's there in home Cali. for him. Facts, yeah. So and rewriting um, his his storyline of his career, obviously getting to the Super Bowl, not being able to score a touchdown against the New England Patriots when he went what was that 2019, 2018, maybe? Uh, I think it was 20, 2018. 2018, 19, 18, right? 19, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's looking to get back to that that big game that he's you know been trying. It's been what's three. It's been four or five years now. So uh, we're rooting for the Lions, man. Got to check that weather forecast too. Might even feel a little wet out there in San Fran. Maybe uh, you know Brock Purdy, you know, <laughs> his hands. <laughs> now Jared Goff is also not known. Yeah, to be, exactly. You know, uh, but yeah, a little more experienced than Brock Purdy. I did see some first first overall pick versus the last overall yeah. pick. Uh, matching up in the NFC Championship game. We're in for a good slate of games. And then obviously after this week, you got another week in between the Super Two weeks. Between the Super Bowl week, which is in Las Vegas. Did see something. They already got a little Chiefs welcoming sign at hotels in Vegas. <laughs> I don't know if they, if they were aware, bro. But NFL might have handed over the script. We'll see. Uh, I do want to say, shout out UCF men's basketball, man. They've been hooping. They might put on a little little show in the March Madness tourney. I know you're rocking with them Owls Nation over there. They've been, you know, handling business. And then the Heat making some finally sleepy Pat waking up, man. <laughs> Scary Terry to Miami. I personally love it. I wanted DeJounte a little bit more. But you get an offensive bucket and Terry Rozier. I'm not going to argue with it. Uh, you dump Lowry, who's, you know, outside of his leadership. You could say his defense, but it is <laughs> is not much coming from a point guard that's uh, just being Kyle Lowry. I mean, I'm just happy. We, we get some offense at the point guard position, the position that was the biggest struggle this offseason, or this offseason heading into the season, and then you watch the season unfold. And it's exactly how I thought. You know, you like gave Vincent Walk in free agency. After that, it was just Kyle Lowry. And it was sort of, you know, can Tyler play PG? Can Jay Rich play PG? Uh, can Jimmy run the point? And you didn't have a true point guard. I know it's not a traditional point guard, but Terry Rozier has been handling it over there in Charlotte while LaMelo was out. He's been hooping. He's been putting up, I think, 25-plus a game in his last, I think, eight games or something like that. So, nice addition. Thank you, Pat Riley, for finally making something <laughs> shake. One of these years, I'm happy with that trade. Yeah, I think I think Rozier is going to fit in really well. I feel like he has that, you know, that dog, that heat culture mentality. He'll fit right in. And also, you know, don't forget, you know, he started, he started with Boston, man. He played for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you look into the postseason, that, that Heat-Celtics rivalry, Maybe Rozier gives him a little edge. You know, he's played against those guys, brings a little competitive edge. But like you mentioned, bro, this like the Heat just do this, bro. Like at the beginning of the season, everyone's injured. Guys go in and out of rotation. They find a really young guy, a really good young guy. They bring him in. And Hawkeyes, then, you know, <laughs> around the trade deadline, all-star, all-star break, they make a move here or there, and then you like the no, final. They, they usually don't make a move. Well, if they do, well, it's like yeah, yeah. Cody Zeller, or they're in bro, they're like, in rumors, like you know, the yeah, Heat could do rumors, this. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, towards the end of the season, everyone finally gets healthy. 
I mean, and then the Heat, at this point, we just know they look to play for the playoffs. So I think it, it, it's nice to get Rozier in a little earlier, give him some time to gel, get that chemistry going with the team. And, I, I mean, the East is crazy this season, bro. We just saw Embiid go for 70. 70. The Celtics, you know, just finally lost their first, first game at yeah. home against, you know, Denver Nuggets, arguably the best team in the West. You look at the Bucks; they just fired their head coach. But <laughs> I, I mean, can't believe that, bro. But they're looking to bring in, you know, I'm hearing Doc Doc Rivers yeah. rumors. I mean, you know, a coach with winning pedigree has won in the league. You still have Giannis, who, you know, is having arguably his best all-around season. He's passing and rebounding and still scoring. And Dame has been, you know, he's Damian Lillard. He's going to shoot the ball. He's going to score. So even the Knicks, they're looking good. The Cavs are winning. But the Heat, I just think, you know, the Heat are just going to be around, man. And then... You add someone like Terry Rozier who can, you know, definitely generate offense. Like you mentioned, he's not a traditional point guard, but he has experience. LaMelo's been out these last couple years. He's been the one handling the ball, making, you know, all the reads and stuff. So I, I, I'm with you, man. I, I like the move for the Heat. Might want to add, look to add a little bit more depth, maybe bringing a big man or two behind Bam. But overall, I think the Heat, once they get everybody healthy, everybody playing together, I think they're going to be, you know, one of the most competitive teams in the East. I agree with you, man. Hopefully so. Once again, for the Heat, uh, Terry Rozier, his his Twitter, man, they put up some old tweets, a little Heat fan at heart, back in that D-Wade, D-Wade era into the big three run. Uh, there's a lot of Heat tweets coming from Scary Terry, so he finally gets to join the Heat. Tweets will now be about him uh, on Twitter. So shout out Terry Rozier, man. I'm excited to see what they can do. This year, and now they finally get an offensive piece that, I mean, I've been asking for someone, you know, that's going to be able to go get a a bucket down the stretch when you need it. Who's your true scorer? I think he could really help, you know, if it's not Jimmy or they're not going to Bam down low. They got Hero. Now they got Rozier. All those guys can go get buckets when they need it. And it it just adds another, another piece and be able to knock down big shots and big moments. And that's really what the Heat have been lacking these you know, every run in the playoffs, they're they're good defensively. It's always been that offensive focal point. Yeah, it they seems lack. like they they run out of gas on the offensive side. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Jimmy runs out of his gas and the offense just stops going. Hero, he's been out in the playoffs, and then you're relying on Bam, you know, a center to be able to go down and drop thirty every game when he doesn't have the post ability of a Joel Embiid. Even though we haven't seen Embiid in the playoffs really succeed too much, nonetheless, that's a whole another story. But a great move for the Heat. You got any last comments, takes, NFL, NBA, anything? That's pretty much it, man. Covered a lot to show. Yep, yep. Episode 75, Go to Go Pod on TikTok. Uh, Go to Go, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, all that. Uh, we'll be back next week with the results of the AFC and NFC Championships games, man. That's going to wrap up Go to Go episode 75. And until next week, man, peace.